Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. You know, when he left the White House, Donald Trump may have thought he left his troubles behind him, but surprise, surprise, that's not the case. His legal problems continue to plague Donald Trump and have just gotten worse. He's under investigation in Georgia for allegedly interfering with election officials. He's under criminal investigation by the Manhattan District Attorney for various financial irregularities. And just last week, the New York State Attorney General announced that she was upping her own investigation of Donald Trump from a civil inquiry to a criminal one. So how much legal trouble is Donald Trump really in and what could be the consequences? From the beginning, nobody's tracked Trump's legal woes more closely than the Washington Post's David Farenthold, who was awarded a Pulitzer Prize for his early reporting on candidate Donald Trump. David is still on the case and he joins us today from the Washington Post. David Farenthold, good to connect with you again. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bill Press Pod. I'm so glad to be here. So uh, let's just ask, it looks like Donald Trump could be in serious legal jeopardy. Is he? Well, (laughs) there's no charges filed yet and no lawsuits filed yet. But what I can tell you is that two different authorities in New York, the New York State Attorney General and the Manhattan DA, are doing investigations of Trump's finances that are unlike any that have come before. They have more data, they have more interviews, they have spent more time than anybody ever has understanding if Trump broke the law as a private businessman. So I don't know if he's going to get have any legal consequences for this, but I, I do feel confident saying that when this is over, we're not going to be able to say, oh man, if we just looked, I bet you'd find a lot of this or that. You know, Somebody's looked now, we just don't quite know what they found. Okay, so um, last week, the uh, New York Attorney General, Letitia James, announced that her investigation, which had been a civil investigation, was um, being increased to a, given the level of a criminal investigation. Why and why, why the change and what does that mean? She did not specify the evidence that caused her to make that change. But when we talked to people who have worked in the New York AG's office before, they said that they did this sometimes. It's not that common, but it happens sometimes that a civil investigation becomes a criminal one. And that generally what causes that is evidence of intent. So Mm. the simple way to understand this is that a civil case, you can sue somebody and say, look, look, I found that you did the wrong thing. I don't don't know why you did it or if you meant to do it, but I'm suing you because you broke the rules. A criminal case is, I know you did the wrong thing, and I know you knew it too, but you did it anyway. I have evidence that shows your intent. And so that's generally the kind of evidence that makes them turn a civil case into a criminal one. And do we know what she is looking into? I mean, is she examining things that Trump may have done as president or before he became president? 
to our knowledge, it's only things that happened while before he was president. So in mm-hmm. last August, the AG laid out a lot of her case in a court filing, saying that she was focused on like five or six different transactions that Trump did, where he either he basically she thinks might have lied about his net worth or the value of his properties, and that would be either to uh, convince a lender that he was a better credit risk than he actually was or to convince taxing authorities that he was worth less, or his properties were worth less than they actually were, that he you know, he'd misled those two uh, sets of authorities to get better financial deals. I think also since then, she's shown interest in the um, taxing and the, the, the perks given to Alan Weisselberg, Trump's CFO, and Alan's mm-hmm. son, Barry, who is also a Trump org employee. Right. So um, the, 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 the one case that you mentioned, or the idea that he may have inflated uh, the value of his properties uh, when he was trying to get some bank loans and deflated them when he was paying his taxes. Michael Cohen, his own lawyer for, what, 14 years or so, uh, testified that that was the case in front of Congress. That's right. right? The, the wild thing about this is both of these investigations stem from a really unlikely place, which is Stormy Daniels. So Stormy Daniels in 2016 makes this allegation that Trump that she'd had an affair with Trump years earlier. Michael Cohen pays her off to keep her silent in the last days of the of the election. That leads to Cohen getting criminally charged, which leads to Cohen turning on Trump and spilling all his secrets. And that's what creates these investigations. So it was Stormy Daniels and then Michael Cohen that set all this off. Right. And is it focused, do we know, on Trump himself or on Trump Inc.? In other words, you know, he, uh, is he personally uh, the target of the investigation? I think the answer is both. I mean, Trump owns the Trump organization. It's a very small company with only one real decision maker, which is him. So you really can't investigate the company without investigating him. I think the key question will be, you're going to have if you're going to make a criminal charge against Donald Trump either the AG or the DA you're going to have to have that intent that I talked about earlier evidence yeah. showing that Donald Trump knew what he was doing was wrong and he did it anyway and you know in a normal company where the executives use email you can often use email to make that case look this guy's this email proves this executive knew what he was doing Trump doesn't use email and so you're going to have to find other documents he signed or better witnesses like Cohen or Weisselberg if he ever flipped against Trump to say Trump told me X, and I, and I, you know, here's I have evidence of his intent because I talked to him. I keep hearing references to this Seven Springs property. Uh, this is such a, a funny thing to be a, a problem for Trump because it's such a minor part of his life. So he owns this estate. It actually used to belong to um, the Graham family, the the or the Eugene Meyer, the original uh, one of the owners of the Washington Post years ago. Mm. Uh, Trump bought it, uh, and he, he rarely visits. It's this huge estate in Westchester County, New York. Uh, and the question was, in 2015, Trump had tried to develop housing on it. He wanted to turn this chop this this thing up and make it into houses and basically couldn't get permission from the local towns to do it. And so instead he does this thing where he gets a conservation easement. He tells the tells the IRS, look, I have agreed not to build houses on this property and I'm sacrificing a huge amount of potential value and so I should get a tax break for that. He claims a $21 million tax break for giving up the supposed development value of this property. The problem for Trump is that he had didn't actually have the right to develop on that property. The the value he was claiming to have foregone, he didn't actually have in hand at all. Uh, so that that could that seems to be a focus of both the DA and the Attorney General. Is did Trump blatantly mislead the taxing authorities in claiming uh, to have given up value that he didn't really have? Right. 
Um, is there anybody else, or I would say who else in the Trump organization uh, could be a target of this investigation? Do we know? You well, mentioned, we have, you've mentioned a couple of people already. Yeah, we have a uh, we have some idea. So Alan Weisselberg, Trump's CFO, uh, basically sees every check, every dollar that goes in and out. It's unlikely that any of the transactions that are being scrutinized, tax transactions or uh, these sorts of real estate transactions or loans, would be done without Alan, Alan, Alan Weisselberg's knowledge and approval. So he's a very important figure. Uh, also, Trump's son, Eric, his middle son, mm -hmm. who has uh, been kind of the most involved in running the business in the last few years, Eric was involved in the getting the assessment that allowed them to get that tax break on on Seven Springs. And, and Eric, unlike he, his father, does use email. And he's testified, correct? Yeah, Eric, Eric uh, has been interviewed by the New York AG, uh, happened last October. Mm -hmm. How about Ivanka? Ivanka, to our knowledge, has not been that involved in this. Ivanka was really involved in the Trump business at this point, but not in these parts of the Trump businesses. She was involved in sort of building hotels and designing hotels. And it doesn't seem like hotel transactions really have much, so far at least, haven't really been in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. um, I saw that Alan Weisselberg's ex-daughter-in-law is cooperating with this investigation. Um, That's also one of these strange turns of fate that really affected this investigation. <laughs> Alan Weisselberg's son, Barry, who's, who was a longtime manager at the ice rink that Trump owns or operates in Central Park, uh, he and his wife get divorced, and it's a very bitter divorce. And his wife, his ex-wife, has gone to the media as well as to the DA and the attorney general to say, uh, look, you know, we got all these free benefits from the Trump organization. So they got this free apartment that they lived in on Central Park South, this really beautiful apartment in a Trump operated building. Uh, they got other benefits that uh, she thinks that they did not pay taxes on. Basically, that as a part of his employment with the Trump organization, her her husband, who was Alan Weisselberg's son, was getting all this extra, all these extra fringe benefits, and he wasn't being taxed on it like he should have. That seems to be a focus of both the DA and the AG. And I, they may see it as a way to pressure Alan Weisselberg. I don't think Barry Weisselberg knows much of anything, but Alan Weisselberg knows a lot. And if he can be convinced to turn on Trump in order to save himself or his son, that would be very valuable to the DA. Now, is this, what is the difference between, or what is the connection between Letitia James, New York Attorney General, her investigation, and the criminal investigation that's been underway by Cyrus Vance, a Manhattan DA, for, what, at least three years? It's 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 odd that these two independent authorities have been doing such similar investigations. The way to think about this is, for a long time, they really had different focuses or different methods. Uh, the, the attorney general's investigation started later in 2019, but it was it moved much faster. It was, and it, it did did that because she was very targeted. She didn't want to see everything that Trump had ever done. She focused on five or six different transactions interviewed witnesses, gathered documents, got some cooperation from the Trump organization. And it seemed like in August of last year, she was almost done. She went to a judge at that point and said, look, you know, I'm almost done, but there's some documents that Trump org has they won't give me. And I want you, the judge, to tell them to give them to me. Mm -hmm. uh, so she was targeted and fast. The, the DA started earlier, but took this different approach where he was sort of like, you know, let's drain the ocean. Let's get everything. Well, I want eight years of Trump's tax returns. And he was willing to fight with the to, with Trump to the to the Supreme Court twice. And so finally, after that really long fight, he gets what he wanted, these millions of pages of tax returns, in February 2021. And so now, he, having gone much more slowly, he's finally got, gotten what he wanted, and he's trying to sort through these millions of pages. Now the two investigations seem to have kind of got to the same place. 
They seem to be interested in some of the same transactions and the same people, and they do seem to be cooperating. It, it, apparently, two members of the attorney general's team have now gone on to help the DA's team. I would expect some of their their evidence and investigation is shared back and forth. We don't know what if any charges will be filed, but I think if, if criminal charges are filed, the AG's people will have played some role in it. So there will be some cooperation there. Could they possibly merge the investigations? I think they are merging to a small degree in the, in, in that the things that the, the DA, the AG has found that are criminal now seem to be sort of handled by the DA's office with help from the attorney general's office. I think in the end, there will be two investigations and we could see two different pieces of two different sets of legal action. There could be a criminal charges filed by the DA and a separate civil action filed by the attorney general. In general, it appears that if that's going to happen, the criminal charges will come first and the civil charges afterward. Do you have any sense of um, how important the tax returns, what role, how important a role that they have played? You know, it was a long time that people were demanding uh, his tax returns, which at one time he promised to release and then never did. Uh, are they key to this investigation, do you believe? They're certainly key to the to the DA's investigation. I think the DA basically built his whole case around them. Uh, and he's had them since February. His people have been going through, along with the help of these uh, like forensic accountants that they hired. We don't really have any any idea what they found. The DA has, does not make very many public filings. Hasn't said almost anything publicly about you know if did he find anything. So uh, we're kind of in the dark about that. You know, you hear people who've talked to that office. Some people say, well, they're really focused and they're going to file charges. I think in the next couple of months. And then you talk to other people who say, like, no, they seem like they're just at the beginning of this understanding this mountain of data, and it won't be. It'll be months and months before they decide. So I really have no idea what their timeline is. Well, yeah, well, that was my next question is when is this all going to wrap up? Now, Cyrus, hasn't, Cyrus Vance has announced that he is retiring by the end of the year, right? That's right. So, so he, he's not running for re-election. He'll, he'll leave, like I think, in New York City switches over maybe on January 1. So I do think that he will make a decision about this to charge or not charge before the end of the year, before he leaves office. This is sort of one of the signature things that Cy Vance has done as the DA, and I doubt that he would want to just hand it over to his successor without having made some sort of judgment about what he has. Uh, and the fact that it's taken so long, is it because the Trump, uh, the reason because uh, Trump would not release his tax returns or? That's my reading just, of this. The, yeah, the, go ahead. The, the attorney general can't do anything until the DA decides because civil which is generally follow criminal action. And the DA's investigation is taking so long because it, they, they, they chose to fight over the tax returns and Trump used uh, you know, a court fight to delay them by 18 months. So you know, they are now where, where they wanted to be in the beginning of 2020. Uh, they're just getting there now. So I think that's the main reason for the delay. Right. Um, I saw this week, I believe, in The Atlantic, or maybe it's The Bulwark, that uh, conservative legal uh, commentator Kim Whaley, um, if that's how you pronounce her name, um, she said that we might, that there's a possibility that we could see criminal charges filed against a former president of the United States, uh, maybe even resulting in time in prison. Is that in the cards, do you think? It certainly seems like a possibility. I, mean, I don't think that the, the DA would have done this three-year criminal investigation if he didn't think that that was a possibility. 
you know, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. I feel like we, you know, we are all reminded of the experience of the Mueller investigation where for years people on the outside would say, oh, this is, you know, Trump's going to jail or, you know, Trump's going to get like, you know, all these horrible consequences for him. And then basically nothing happened. Trump is not the president anymore. He doesn't have the control of the Justice Department. He has less tools to fight this investigation with. But I think that experience should make us wary that just because there's a long running investigation of somebody, there's no guarantee that they're going to be charged or go to jail. That but, said, but, that possibility is open, certainly for now. Uh, because, right, the president, uh, the former president, uh, no longer has this shield of immunity. Yes, that was that was a you know, his shield of immunity against indictment by the Justice Department because the, the Justice Department sort of believed you no know, they couldn't charge a president while he was in office, and Trump used it to fight off this you know, to delay the state investigation. He said to the Supreme Court, "Look, I, as president, I believe that I am immune from any local prosecution, any state prosecution. Like literally, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue, and I I couldn't be charged uh, because I'm president." The Supreme Court rejected that, but it took about you know it took them a long time to reject that, and that's what <laughs> delayed the reject the release of the tax returns until February. Right, uh, David. Let's take a quick break here because, um, as you know, uh, there are other areas where the president may also be facing some legal difficulties. We want to get into that uh, in just a minute. Our guest today, David Farenthold from the Washington Post. And today's podcast with David Farenthold is brought to you by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. 1.3 million members strong under President Mark Perone. They're the good people that serve us, among other things, at our big grocery stores. I was safe at the Safeway the other day checking out, and I asked the woman who was doing so. She's a member of the UFCW, and she proudly said, you bet I am. Uh, they serve us at our great uh, grocery chains like Safeway and all the others, uh, at our big retail grocery stores, our chemical plants, food processing plants, and distilleries. The good members of the UFCW, we thank you for your support of the Bill Press Pod and direct all of you to check out their good work at ufcw.org. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Back 
On today's podcast, the Bill Press Pod with uh, David Farenthold, Pulitzer Prize winning uh, journalist, investigative reporter for the Washington Post. David, again, thanks so much for joining us. So we've been talking about Donald Trump's, uh, the legal issues surrounding his financial activities in the state of Georgia. Uh, Donald Trump uh, is facing some legal challenges on another front. What, tell us about that. That's right. The, uh, the Fulton County District Attorney, which is the, the county that covers Atlanta, uh, has said she's investigating Trump in a criminal investigation for uh, basically trying to interfere and overturn the results of the 2020 election in Georgia. After Trump lost, obviously, we've all heard those tapes where he called the Secretary of State, he called other people in the state to basically tell them to try to find votes. You know, can you find enough votes to reverse his loss in Georgia, which was only, I think, by like 11,000 votes? So uh, the Fulton County DA has said she's investigating Trump for breaking the law there. That investigation apparently is also ongoing. We've heard nothing about its progress. Right. But it is another criminal investigation, correct? It is, yes. Another criminal investigation. Right. But so simply calling the Secretary of State uh, and saying, hey, can you take a look at these and maybe uh, find some more votes is a criminal offense? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess she hasn't filed charges yet. I mean, that's that's a case where I think we sort of have already seen the evidence. It's just a matter of making a legal judgment about you know what that was. Was it a crime or was it free speech? Um, I think that that will be Trump's defense in that case. Was you know I can say anything I want. You know, how can you criminalize speech? But right. um, you know, if the DA brings that case, I imagine the the implication will be that he wasn't just speaking as some random person. He was speaking as the president of the United States, using his power to try to coerce somebody to to break the law. Uh, again, uh, I haven't heard very much about it. Have you, in terms of uh, the timetable for a uh, possible the grand jury coming up with charges in Georgia, do we know what the timeline there might be? It's funny you say that. I have that written on my to-do list for today to try to figure <laughs> out what's going on there, but I don't know. <laughs> Let us know when you find out. <laughs> All right. And then I, a third front, to my knowledge, and you may know even more, I'll get to that in a second, is um, the case of... Um, E. Jean Carroll, uh, former journalist up in New York City, who has accused the, the president of sexual assault, actually rape, uh, in a Bergdorf Goodman dressing room uh, back again before he was president. Um, we don't hear much about that case, but it has not gone away. No, it has not gone away. And I think she's her, her current, uh, E. Jean Carroll's current demand is to depose Trump, to have him give testimony mm -hmm. about it. And I think maybe also to make him take a DNA test or something. Uh, that, and I, that's been moving pretty slowly through the New York courts, but it, does still, it is still going. So it's still alive, and he uh, is still at least open to charges in that case, correct? I think that is a civil suit. So I think he would, uh -huh. he's, he's open to. I think the damage for him would be that he is he would he would have to pay monetary damages and also that he'd have to give de a deposition in that case. Right. Uh, and there were uh, sev several some a lot of voices, I guess, who thought uh, that maybe calling on Joe Biden to and to get his, the the new Justice Department um, and the new Attorney General Merrick Garland. Uh, to go after Donald Trump for whatever charges, various various uh, possible charges. Do we have indica any indication that Biden is interested in that or is, is going to pursue that? We don't, actually. The, the, 
we've asked the Justice Department, look, you know, there's a lot of other investigations of Trump uh, at the state level for his financial activities, for tax evasion, possibly for uh, and for his actions on January 6th. Are you investigating any of that? And the answer has been always no comment. Uh, I haven't seen any proof that they are, but, you know, sometimes you don't see the proof of these things until they, they want you to. But I remember when there was pressure on on Barack Obama, right, to pursue George W. Bush and maybe Dick Cheney for war crimes in the present. Uh, Obama said, no, we're not going to do that, right, we're moving forward. It would be, um, I'm sure <laughs> Trump maybe put some pressure on the Justice Department to get after Obama. Uh, it, it seems unlikely that Biden would go there. Would you agree? I, I, if I had to guess, I would say, yes, it is unlikely, just because... A, there are already state-level investigations of Trump for the things that you know people are unhappy about, and also that it would be hard for Biden. I think Biden's whole political strategy has been to move, try to move on beyond Trump, to not have Trump dominate mm -hmm. the, you know, the, and set the terms of Biden's presidency, and to try to prosecute Trump and giving Trump sort of a megaphone to say, you know, I'm being persecuted by the guy that I lost to. I think Biden doesn't want that sort of distraction. I could be wrong, or there could be some sort of evidence that changes their calculus, but I don't see in Biden or Merrick Garland, the attorney general, any desire to have a long-running fight with Donald Trump. So looking out of the legal landscape, uh, we've talked about uh, the criminal investigation by the New York attorney general, the criminal investigation by the Manhattan district attorney, uh, the criminal investigation of two grand juries in the state of Georgia over election uh, interference alleged, and the civil case um, uh, of sexual assault in New York State. Um, is there anything else, <laughs> any other area where he's in legal jeopardy today that we haven't talked about? Well, he's certainly facing a lot of lawsuits, and I think it will face more from people who were, uh, you know, Capitol Police officers or uh, members of Congress on January 6th who feel like Trump set the mob on them. He uh, is also facing an investigation in the District of Columbia from uh, our local attorney general, the, the, the district's attorney general, for his role in possibly inciting a riot and maybe charged with inciting a riot. Uh, given the nature of D.C. law and our sort of second class, uh, you know, second uh, second ranking justice system, that would only be a misdemeanor. The D.C. attorney general can't file felony charges. Um, but that may also be a possibility. Also, the D.C. police couldn't arrest him unless he physically came into the District of Columbia. So uh, it's not a huge threat to Trump, but that's another investigation that's out there. Uh, and how about the uh, lawsuits against the Trump Hotel in Washington, uh, D.C., for uh, violating the terms of the lease, uh, number one, and then also for um, maybe um, monopolizing, uh, taking business away from local hotels and restaurants? Well, there were sort of two categories of suits against the Trump Hotel. The first one was about the uh, quote-unquote emoluments clause from the Constitution, where basically the Constitution says presidents can't take payments or gifts from foreign governments. Trump did host foreign, you know, foreign embassies, rented out the Trump hotels. Trump got money from those embassies. Uh, and there was, there was a lawsuit from the D.C. Attorney General and the Maryland Attorney General saying, you know, Trump's violated the, the emoluments clause. Judge, make him stop. And what resulted was a long four-year legal battle over just who could bring that lawsuit. You know, who mm -hmm. has the standing to sue? This is like a dusty part of the Constitution. No one's really ever dealt with it. You know, we don't even know who can bring these suits, and they never figured it out. They got four years down the road. Trump lost, left office, and then the suits were declared moot without really even settling basic questions. So those suits are over. There's another suit from the D.C. Attorney General against Trump and his hotel in D.C. 
for basically misusing his inaugural committee. Take, inaugural committee is a charity that they, 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 the Trump Hotel conspired to sort of funnel that charity's money into the Trump Hotel by overcharging them. And that lawsuit, which has taken depositions from Ivanka Trump and Donald Trump Jr. and a bunch of other people, is still going on. So I, I, I'm curious, uh, when you look at all of these legal fronts, and by the way, it, the man has been in and out of lawsuits and courtrooms, right, his entire professional yes. existence. Do you have any idea how much Donald Trump spends on lawyers? Uh, it's got to be quite a bit, especially because a lot of his law firms quit after, after January 6th. Uh, this, to me, is a really interesting moment in his life because he has often used the legal system as a weapon. You know, he's sued people. He's... Yeah. You know, filed ethics complaints. He he's always had enough money and clout uh, and lawyers that he could sort of get into it when he get into court when he wanted, and then get out when he wanted. And he was, was never somebody who faced sort of the legal system in the position that you or I might be, where it feels like we're going up against a system that's designed to crush us. Uh, that's different now. I mean, it's, it's, he's not mm -hmm. like me going up against the court system. He still has a lot of money and resources and power. But he is, he's on the back foot. He's got investigators that are further into his business and in his data than they've ever been. He's got lawsuits on a number of fronts. He's got criminal investigations, as you said, in several states. He's never been this vulnerable before the law before. I think that even includes the Mueller investigation. Um, I don't know where it ends. It could end with complete exoneration on all fronts. But he's not able to control this interaction with the courts the way that he has in the past. Could he be dragged into the Rudy Giuliani investigation? That's a good question. As far as we know, he has not been. And Rudy Giuliani's under investigation, I think, for basically serving as an undeclared agent of some pro-Russian folks in Ukraine. They were paying him for lobbying, overseas lobbying work that he wasn't telling the government about. I think probably the target of that lobbying was Trump. But was Trump involved you know, in the potential crime? We haven't seen any evidence that the FBI believes that's true. Right. Uh, and before we let you go, just uh, your latest reporting. Uh, is sort of related to this, but not on legal problems so much as um, payments that Donald Trump, uh, well, has required, no, not that payments that he's made, but money that he's demanded of the Secret Service uh, at Mar-a-Lago, uh, both as president and now as former president, uh, charging the Secret Service right for um, using a room in the hotel. That's right. Basically, to protect Trump, him. <laughs> yeah, when Trump goes to Mar-a-Lago, he charges the Secret Service to protect him there. You know, the secret agents have to go wherever he goes. It's the same now as uh, he's a former president as it was when he was a president, and so he treats that as a revenue opportunity and charges the government for the space that the agents use while they protect him. Uh, that was true uh, when he was president. We documented at least two and a half million dollars worth of payments from the government to Trump's own pocket. Uh, during his presidency, and a lot of that was related to charges to the Secret Service. Uh, and we just figured out last night and this morning that that's continued into his post-presidency. Since he joined to Mar-a-Lago full-time after he left office, he's charged the Secret Service $396.15 every single night uh, for a workspace they use while protecting him. And so that's $40,000 just this spring paid by the Secret Service to Trump, uh, paid by taxpayers to Trump for the privilege of having somebody protect his life. Legal or illegally? Legal, as far as I can tell. I mean, this is one of those situations that there's nobody thought to make a law against this because nobody had ever thought to do it before. Um, <laughs> you know, certainly no no president that I could find in recent history has charged the Secret Service for you know anything. Uh, the, the Joe Biden came the closest as vice president. He charged the Secret Service rent for a cottage in Delaware. Uh, he's not charging them now. 
but no ex-president's ever done that. And this is basically in perpetuity. I, if Trump wants to keep doing this for the rest of his life, we'll have to keep paying, uh, as far as I can tell. So it, that's, a, that's a sort of a hidden part of his post-presidency that we just figured out that last night. He will have Secret Service protection for the rest of his life. Uh, and so, as you say, he could be charging them rent for the rest he's, of he's his life. He's got a customer life. for the rest of his life, yeah. <laughs> built, in, built in customer, and we taxpayers, right? We'll pay are, for it. That's right. Are, are footing the bill. Uh, David Farenthold, it's so good to have you on the case all the time uh, on every front. Uh, and thank you for your good work. Uh, and thanks for joining us again on the Bill Press Pod. We'll talk to you again soon because uh, this story is not going to go away. And some of these cases will be wrapping up uh, maybe with some serious charges. We'll talk then. I'll look forward to it. Thanks, David. And that's today's podcast with David Farenthold. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Bill Press Pod. Remember, please, if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the Bill Press Pod. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, just pull up the Bill Press Pod, click on subscribe, and you are in. We'll see you again on the roundtable later in the week. In the meantime, take care of yourself. Stay strong, stay safe, stay sane, and come back and see us on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.